Good morning, good evening, good whatever time you're listening to this podcast. My name is James Alban, and welcome to episode 28 of The Last Line. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, on this week's episode, I speak to animal welfare campaigner and founder of the Claws Out campaign, Beth Jennings. The Claws Out campaign aims to end the exploitation of captive lions in South Africa, but I won't go into too much detail myself because you're about to hear Beth tell us the whole story of how she came to found the campaign um, and what it's led to in her work now. So without further ado, here is Beth Jennings. So um, I went to South Africa in 2015 which seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, And I basically, I just hated my job at the time and I wanted to take some time out and go and do some volunteering. Um, So I had a look online at all the options and there was this one trip that stood out and it was literally called Live With Lion Cubs in South Africa. Um, And I was like, right, well, (laughs) who wouldn't want to do that? Okay, so booked it. Um, Did some research beforehand, but at the time there wasn't that much online about it and I wasn't told where I was going until I actually paid my deposit as well. Which seems a bit mad to me, but Yeah, I mean looking not back mad it's from like your that's point so... of, not mad from your point no, of view. No, it is. But... <laughs> it totally is though. Like looking back it's just like, why that's a red flag, isn't it, surely? Um and so I looked at Lion volunteering in South Africa, like had Googled it and everything. Um, And the only thing that came up was this one specific park that's called, it's literally called Lion Park. And so I emailed the agency and I was like, I just want to make sure that I'm not going here. And they were like, yeah, you're not going there. Absolutely fine. We don't send volunteers there. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, And I booked it and I paid my money for it over the course of like a year. Um, I think the trip in total cost like, 1500 pounds um and that's not including your flights your vaccinations and all of that kind of stuff um and it was only a two-week trip so I took some time off work and I flew out there on my own and it just was all downhill from there really (laughs) um I mean the trip itself like there's no there's no way around it you're you're literally playing with lion cubs all day every day like that's obviously gonna be fun it was amazing the lions are amazing you know that's obvious um there was a few instances of how they were treating the lions while we were out there that were a bit questionable and things that we were asked to do um that just from like an animal lover's perspective is was a bit like of a red flag um so for instance there was five cubs that were like the size of staffies i'd say so like quite big cubs at this point and they had outgrown their enclosure but there was no room to move them into the larger enclosure enclosure because there was already about 20 lion cubs in that one um so what we had to do instead was lock them in like a crate overnight from the end of our shift until the beginning of the next shift so that was 5 p.m till 8 a.m and it was five lion cubs in one crate and it was like they had sorry how big how big would be one of those crates 
Oh, it was just one crate, like that you'd keep one dog in. Oh, right. Like, okay. I like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we had to put all of these lion cubs in there, and they had no water. They couldn't go for the toilet. They had no food. Um, obviously, that stage they're still on milk, and they didn't have any access to it all night. And we were shown this on our first day, and that was a bit like, oh, okay, that's not good. But they've told us that they're going to be moving these cubs within the next few days, so it's temporary. Um, and then the next morning we went in and let them out and it was like they'd all urinated like on each other. They were all totally squashed in this crate and it was just horrible and desperate for water as soon as they came out. Um, so that was the first thing that I was like, okay, that's obviously not good. Um, second thing, like you spend all day, you bring tourist groups into the enclosures and like you're giving them these lion cubs for them to play with and take pictures with. And, like, you have parents bringing in toddlers <laughs> into, like, an enclosure full of lion cubs and you the toddlers are, like, pulling on the ears and all of this mental stuff and it's just, like, this is an accident waiting to happen, surely. Yeah, because, um, like, you'd be cautious of letting, like, toddlers do that to a dog, right? And, yeah, and lions it's a, it's a, are... It's a lion! <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't have kids, but, like... I mean, I would never take a child around. Like you said, like you, you stop them from doing that to a dog or even like a house cat. You know when a house cat is getting annoyed. Yeah. So to just sit there and have that happening, I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> this is mental. Um, and there was like groups of school children from local schools in South Africa that would come in and they would literally be passing around these like week old lion cubs Um just passing them around in a circle and it's like that's just not good for the lion like they're supposed to be sleeping something like 18 hours a day or something and they're literally just being used as photo props from the minute they you know we start our shifts until the end of the day um so those were more like issues with welfare but then in south africa there's just a whole wider issue as well about breeding lions in captivity um which is where the bigger problems come in um, that I was like semi-aware of, but didn't know the scale that it was happening, basically. Um, I think it, it's like, a, oh God, it's just a mess. In South Africa, anyone can breed lions. Like if you have land, you can breed a lion. That's all there is to it. You don't need any, um, you don't need any qualifications in like husbandry or conservation or anything. Like you can just get a lion and start breeding it. And it's like, that's mental. <laughs> um and there's like, I think it's estimated to be about 200 parks or 300 parks in South Africa breeding lions in captivity. Um, and we were told they would be they would be released into the wild. But that's not true. Like a captive bred hand reared lion can never be released into the wild and has never been in history. Um, and as soon as you, I asked for proof as well that they had been doing that and uh, they just couldn't provide it to me. And it's like, if you're the only park in the world that's successfully releasing captive lions into the wild, like you would want that all over the news. You know, you'd be screaming from the rooftops about it. So that was another thing I was like, why are they being so weird and secretive about that? Um, so, yeah, so... I mean, this all happened in two weeks, you know, it was a, yeah. there was other issues on the park um, from like a personal perspective. Um, some of the staff members were just absolutely horrible, like totally 
rude to women like me in particular I've got tattoos and they were really derogatory about me having tattoos so I just felt completely uncomfortable the whole time I was there um and so I left so within like the first week I knew something was up basically um and I messaged a few charities that I found online and they were like look you're there now you've only got a week left so just stay there take pictures do what you can and then leave and come home you like to paint the picture I was 21 at the time this was the first time I had traveled on my own and you're literally in the middle of nowhere in South Africa and the only way you can get anywhere is if the staff members are taking you um and I already thought like the staff members were not my kind of people I don't like they just weren't very nice people um and the reviews of the park that I was on on TripAdvisor, there was a few reviews of people saying that they had spoken up while they were on the park. And one girl in particular um, was taken into the office with two of the rangers who are like uh, staff members that look after the lions and the owners of the park. And they shut her in the office and they searched her phone, basically, because they found out she'd been posting negative things online. Um and I heard that and I was just like, right, well, <laughs> I don't want that to happen to me, obviously. Um, and it was just, it was really, yeah, hostile is just the word. It was a horrible, horrible atmosphere to be around, especially when I already had like issues with some of the staff members based on things that they had said. Um, so I just thought, you know, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And as soon as you start asking questions, they they do give you answers, but they're so well rehearsed. And as soon as you start like digging a bit more they're just so suspicious about why you're asking it um and there was an issue as well with something that I had tweeted before I knew all of this I tweeted something while I was there um and deleted it within a day and they knew about that tweet like they brought it up after I deleted it so I was like right okay so I was right and you were looking at my Instagram uh, my social media while I was there but that's a whole nother, that was a whole nother issue. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that seems a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you decided to sort of just wait it out mm-hmm. until you could go home again. I guess it's not, well, cost prohibitive anyway, I guess, to get another flight out. But I guess it's not easy just to be like, okay, bye, I'm going now after a few days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like... I had saved up for a year for that trip. Um, it, I used all of my like birthday money. I wasn't well off at that point. It was like a huge amount of money to me for me to spend on something. And even like the replacement flight home, my dad was like offering to come out and get me, and that would have cost like <laughs> two grand extra or something ridiculous. And I was like, no, it's just not worth it. Like I'm not really, I'm not in any danger. Yeah. Like they're not going to kill me while I'm on this park. Um, it wasn't that extreme. Um, and for the second week anyway, you're offered like excursions type thing. So for the second week, I was barely even on the park. I didn't interact with any of the lions and just was out of there as much as I could be anyway. So so these parks, so like this, so take this specific one, for example, they're just so that it's clear for the audience, they're offering as a tourist, you would go out. So you're in South Africa and you want to go to this park and you get to what you get to like play with the lion cubs yeah so there's like different stages so you can either play with like the tiny newborn lion cubs or you can go on a excursion called walking with lions 
So you go walking in the bush with like slightly older lions, like six to eight months old. So pretty they big quite, lions. They looked quite big in the film. <laughs> oh, they're, yeah, it's like, it's stupid. <laughs> it shouldn't be allowed. And you're told that they're tame and stuff and you're given like a stick to defend yourself. And it's like, if a lion wants to attack you, a stick is not going to yeah, do shit, yeah. is it? Like, excuse the language, like... You're gonna die, <laughs> and there have been there's been attacks in the past, and they don't tell the public this. I found out just while I was on the park from googling it that the one that I was on, um, a man and his wife were both attacked, and they needed skin grafts. That's how serious it was. Um, and recently, just I think it was either last year or the year before, a woman was killed on another park by a lion. So it's not safe at all. Like, and the fact that they've been bred in captivity you know they're still wild animals mm. they're still not you shouldn't you just shouldn't be that close to them and perhaps like a little pissed off as well like i imagine yeah. it's not a great uh those lions are not like they probably don't have a great temperament in terms of you know being caged up all that you know a lion wants to mm -hmm. roam free doesn't it it doesn't want to be kept in a cage. It, yeah. I was watching, um, sort of prompted by this, I ended up watching, re-watching a, a, an old Louis Theroux documentary called, I think it's called African Hunting Holiday, and it's about that sort of canned hunting mm -hmm. thing, which we can talk more about. Um, but there's just a clip where they're obviously... Uh, they're on the sort of perimeter fence of the... of of where they keep these lines, which people just go and pay to hunt. And, the, the you know, you can see the way the lions are looking at, um, like, Louis Theroux and this guy through the, you know, those lions are ready to fucking take him <laughs> out. And even the guy says, who's, like, yeah. running the, the whole park, he's like, yeah, if you got in there right now, there'd be nothing left from the top of your head to like your boots. And so it amazed me when I saw the, the sort of the short film that you made, um, mm -hmm. that those, those walks with those lions, those lions looked, cause you know, when they're like little cubs, you're like, Oh, they're cute. And then you see the size they are when they're walking around. It's like, Jesus, we're letting people just walk alongside <laughs> them with like nothing yeah. to stop them turning around and, having a pot yeah exactly and you're it's groups of like up to 10 people with um two rangers or something so the rangers are the only people like barely qualified to even be there themselves um so it's just it's it's just awful and there's that you're given like a dare i call it a safety briefing because it's not even really that and it's like don't turn your back to a lion and it's like no shit like is that all <laughs> is that all you're giving me <laughs> Like, I know that. Obviously, don't turn your back to a lion. But then, like, even front on, it's still going to try and have you for dinner, isn't it? And, like, obviously, these ones, they are hand-reared from birth. So they do they are habituated to humans. So it is different from... You obviously wouldn't go into an enclosure with a wild lion. Um, so it is slightly different. They are more tame. But at the end of the day, they're still, you know, they've got their instincts. They're a wild animal. If they decide they want to attack you, they're going to do that. And no amount of wielding a wooden stick is going to stop that. <laughs> I guess the thing as well that that sort of stupidly didn't occur to me until well, I guess it's not stupid because I, I th it's it's the it, it probably didn't occur to you either, right? Um, is that 
when I was watching your short film is I suddenly thought, well, yeah, like if you're, um, if you've got volunteers coming in, you know, a new bunch of volunteers every couple of weeks, like they're not sufficiently trained to be dealing with lions. <laughs> so is this yeah. like a legit, you know, sort of we're looking after lions here um, when the people you're sort of getting to look after them are people who just don't know anything really, essentially. They're just Oh, yeah, it's a bunch of absolutely useless teenagers that just happen to be able to afford this trip. Like, that's all it is. I, I, I don't, like... I don't know anything about raising a lion cub. Of course I don't. I was working in a secretary firm in Buckinghamshire. Like, why am I qualified to go and look after your lions for two weeks? That's that's another huge issue is, is that we're, we, like volunteers are paying such huge amounts of money. Um, and one of the biggest arguments is, is that these places give back to local communities, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, if that's the case, why aren't you pay, paying people from the local community to do this job why are you making volunteers pay you to go in and do the job mm. um it's just all completely backwards and yeah no one there is qualified to be looking after these lions so you get to the end of your two weeks you're uh you get on the plane you're, you're going home how what what's what happened then in terms of uh the, the sort of the cogs started whirring i guess um yeah so i was like livid <laughs> basically um i was so so angry that i had become like involved in this and obviously really really upset as well that's you know my work i went out there because i love animals and always have like so the thought that i'd become involved with this upset me but also just like annoyed me so much that i'd been duped into it so um, on the flight home, literally, I was writing my blog and I thought I'll just write like one blog post to put out on my social media, mainly because in the whole lead up to the trip, I'd been like, oh, my God, how amazing is this? Blah, blah, blah. Um, that, like, you know, posting that I'm going to go and play with lion cubs for two weeks. Um, and so it was more like I wanted to just put out to the people my friends on social media and just say you know it might have looked amazing but this is actually what what happened um and after speaking to a few people in the charities that I'd worked with they were like yeah you should make it into like a blog into a website or whatever and so I did and at that time when I did it in 2015 there wasn't really any volunteers like doing that or speaking out against the industry um so it kind of like accidentally blew up <laughs> into something that like I wasn't expecting at all um and yeah it kind of started from there and it was just it was still just my blog online for um a couple of years before it became my job but um at that time it was just to kind of raise awareness to other volunteers and try and warn other people that that's what they're getting themselves into if they go and volunteer in these places um, yeah, and it just kind of snowballed, I guess, from there. So what's what's the aim of the campaign, I guess, is the question. So my campaign is primarily to, like primarily to raise awareness. Um there are campaigns like on the ground in South Africa that are much better equipped to deal with like the legalities side sure. of things. 
Um, so mine was to raise awareness to volunteers and also to the travel industry, like so the agents that were sending people there. Because um, I booked my trip through like a really reputable UK agency. Um, and I was just again just pissed off that they'd let me do that and they were still trying to maintain that it was totally ethical the trip that I'd gone to do um so I had like my complaint was open with them for three years I think before they stopped selling the trip um and that was only because they sold the company anyway into new hands um so yeah I started it to to raise awareness and that's sort of where it grew into my full-time job um just mainly, yeah, education is, I, I guess, what I'd say is say, the main part of the campaign. And presumably there are um, sort of all sorts of places in South Africa that you can go to that actually would help lions and, and mm -hmm. conservation. And you mentioned, um, I saw you mention about how um, basically if if it's ever offering you hands-on work with lions that's like that's not a place to go to i think that's that's where it becomes difficult is that all the places that are ethical for you to go and volunteer at you're not going to be playing with lion cubs all day and that's obviously <laughs> not as good is it really um you're going to be like painting fences and cleaning enclosures and doing paperwork and stuff and that's like that's so important but not as enticing is it when you look at the other side of it. Um, but yeah, basically in South Africa, any place that's breeding lion cubs for tourists to go and interact with is not ethical because those those lions can't be released into the wild. And that's where canned hunting uh, comes into it because that's the only place that they can go into in South Africa unless they're sold into zoos or um, there's also the lion bone trade as well, which is a fairly new issue. Um, so there's a, like what these 10,000 lions in captivity in South Africa that are constantly being bred for tourists and then being sold once they're too big for tourists to interact with. And that's where the hunting comes into it as well. And for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what canned hunting is, uh, you're probably in a better position probably to give an explanation than me. Yeah, so uh, canned hunting is basically a trophy hunt within an enclosure. So the lion can't escape from you and it's hand-reared, so it's not scared of a human either. So, for instance, if you do a wild lion hunt, you pay upwards of $50,000 and you're on a hunt for 21 days and there's no guarantee that you'll even get a lion. So with a canned hunt, you're put inside a fenced enclosure, you pay sometimes $10,000. The lion can't escape. You shoot your lion. It can't run away from you. You take the trophy home the same day. So it's like, it's just ridiculous. There's no way for that lion to escape from you. And it takes no skill either. In the Louis Theroux uh, documentary about it, he, he describes it as playing tennis without a net, um, which I thought was quite mm -hmm. a good analogy for it yeah it's and the, the just the, the ease of it is is ridiculous um when i was doing some of the research for the short film that i made i i emailed a place inquiring about a canned hunt and i was like oh hey like 
<laughs> I'm a 22 year old girl from England. Like I've never held a gun, um, but I really want to come and do a canned hunt. And they were like, oh, okay, sure. Here's like basically a menu for you to choose from. Pick the lion that you want. Um, and the prices range from like female lions were really cheap. Male lions with like a big black mane were like a bit more expensive. And so I could have just chosen my lion, gone there, having never held a gun, gone into enclosure, killed my lion and bought this trophy home. It feels mental so that you up. can pick the you can pick the specific yeah. lion. Yeah. It's it's just mind blowing. And people like don't realise it's happening, especially on such a huge scale in South Africa. And um, you know, uh I, I, I keep referring to this Louis Through thing, but it's in my mind because I've literally just watched it. Um you know, they their argument for some of it was that well, if we don't breed these animals uh, to be hunted, then they'll just go extinct because... That's just <laughs> <laughs> infuriatingly like incorrect. <laughs> There's never, ever been any research to say that canned hunting improves the welfare of wild lions. Um, and in fact... In the last 20 years, while canned hunting has been going on, wildlife populations are still declining. So it's like... Yeah, so we're not just... seeing an increase off the back of it. No, no. it's not, not at all. It's just, it's so, so wrong. But like, people believe it. People believe what they want to believe, don't yeah. they? Like, if if you're told you can go and cuddle a lion cub and it's going to benefit wild lions, it's like, oh, great. <laughs> like... I won't do any more research. That sounds great, but it's just totally, totally incorrect. And I guess as well, the the argument is uh, is a, a counter argument to that whole thing of well, they would be extinct if we didn't breed them to be hunted. Um, even if that was true, which not, um, there's a there's a sort of bigger moral dilemma there anyway. A, a question of like, well. If you are just breeding something for it to then get shot in an enclosure, what kind of life is that anyway for an animal? Mm -hmm. um, so even if it did increase numbers, which it doesn't, yeah, it's still not really an argument for canned hunting anyway. Yeah, I mean that's that's the issue, isn't it? Is that it's a moral issue <laughs> i guess like if you're fine with going and shooting a lion regardless of whether or not it benefits con uh, conservation then in my opinion you're a bit of a like terrible human being <laughs> like there's no other way to say it like i'm against all forms of hunting and like you said if it did benefit conservation then like there would be more of an argument for it but yeah the fact is is that it just doesn't so you're still a crap human being <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that uh struck me was because i guess like canned hunting is uh kind of on the um sort of extreme end of the uh of the moral question right like most of us i would say would probably be against canned hunting i would imagine mm. i'd hope anyway I'd um, hope, yeah. <laughs> but like most of us couldn't envision going and shooting a lion, right? But but mm -hmm. most of it but I, I would also say most of us could go and envision cuddling a little lion cub, right? Um mm -hmm. so how difficult is it to 
convince people and people who want to go and volunteer as you initially did how how difficult is it to convince people that these places despite saying they're ethical and all this kind of stuff um aren't what they appear um because it's probably quite hard to if you want to go and do something like that it's quite hard to to tell people they shouldn't yeah i mean it's ignorance is bliss isn't Mm. it like i i've had so many people contact me through my website and with messages like oh this is the place i'm going to look at volunteering they say they're ethical and i look at it and they're one of the worst ones (laughs) and i tell them that and i send them all of the information and they don't believe me and they go and volunteer anyway so it's like if if you're comfortable going and volunteering somewhere where you know that those lions will end up shot by a hunter, then that's your moral issue, on my in my opinion. Uh, the problem I have as well is that these there's so many people going in not knowing that that's the link that that those lions they're cuddling will be shot in one or two years. So that's where I try and raise awareness. So if if you know that and you go and do it, that's you know not what I agree with, but you're doing it informed. Um, But it's the people that don't know that that's what they're doing and refuse to believe that that's what they're doing. And it is hard to convince people because they want their Instagram posts, don't they? They want to go and cuddle lions and be able to say, oh my God, look, this is what I've done. Aren't I amazing? I've helped with these wild lions when that's just not the case. Um, So yeah, there's been, it is is really difficult basically, yeah. I I wonder if... um social media has like a part to play in in these places uh continuing to run because i guess like before we could post these kind of pictures on instagram perhaps mm-hmm. like i mean i don't know i'm i'm completely speaking out my ass here um but i imagine like those places weren't weren't necessarily as uh popular right or at least known about because you know, if you see your friend posting a picture of, of them and a lion, I guess that's quite appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I was guilty of it. I, I put all of my pictures on Instagram, um, granted only for like a week or so and mm. before I took them down. Um, but it's 100% the issue in a lot of these places. Um, excuse me. <coughs> um, invite celebrities out as well. So... They post on their Instagrams, which is just an even wider audience. Um, so it's just, it's definitely, definitely making the issue worse. And like they bring in some measures on Instagram. If you search like lion selfie or something, you, it comes up with a warning and then you just click OK and mm. the pictures are there anyway. So more definitely needs to be done by social media, um, such as Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, not to promote these places, in my opinion. But that's like a near impossible job, especially TikTok now as well as one of the worst ones. Oh, right. Okay. I hadn't even thought about TikTok. Mm. I mean, I guess like social media, it's it's another thing and a long line of things that social media needs to like figure out in terms of... Yeah. Um, how was it for you sort of coming to terms with it afterwards? Because I guess, you know, you were really excited, sort of trip of a lifetime and it it wasn't what you wanted at all how mm. how do you cope with that when you when you when you come back in terms of 
um, you know, are there, are there feelings of guilt? Are there feelings of um, I've been conned? You know, what, what, how, what was your sort of mindset like afterwards? Um, all of the above. <laughs> like, uh, in all honesty, if I'm totally honest, that within a couple of months of coming home, my mental health just took an absolute nosedive. Um, I was put on antidepressants by my doctor. I stopped going to work. Like I couldn't function because of how the whole experience had affected me. And not only the experience while I was there, but also the aftermath. So um, the actual complaints procedure, <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, was like one of the most stressful times of my life. Um, some of the accusations that were thrown at me by the park like were just absolutely awful. So I really, really struggled. And I suppose like that's another reason why I kept Claws Out going was because I had to channel it somewhere and like convince myself that I could make amends for like the mistake that I had made by raising awareness. Um, but it's something that I still struggle with. But at the same time, well, especially I find that campaign against it and you know i'm fortunate enough to campaign alongside like some amazing big names like big born free you know olsen trust all of these amazing charities and a few times i'm sort of sat there just like well why am i here like i'm <laughs> i'm the problem you know i was a volunteer so it's it's comes and goes like it's still difficult now um but at the same time now I work full-time in animal welfare and like I have the jobs I, I've had and that I do now because of that experience so I wouldn't be doing it now um but yeah it's definitely something that I still struggle with um and don't answer this if if you, if you don't want to talk about it but you mentioned about how the park through sort of accusations at you when you were complaining and you don't have to go into like what those accusations were if you don't want to but i um i i think it speaks to sort of a bigger problem with how they it, it's like when you were there right and if if people ask mm -hmm. too many questions they would get sketchy and check people's phones and stuff so um i guess i'm asking because of that sort of pattern of behavior that occurs with these places and how they treat people who want to question what they do yeah yeah so my the i'm happy to talk about it because it's just so embarrassing on their end i think <laughs> um so yeah my complaints procedure went through the travel agency and i complained about the welfare issues and also the fact that i'd been sold this trip that wasn't what it was and they went to the park with my complaint and asked for their side of the story obviously fair enough and the park came back saying that um I was just, I had mental health issues. Like this was before I actually did, <laughs> by the way. Um, but saying that I was just a bit of a nutcase that had come to the park to try and expose them and hadn't succeeded. So now was like on a rampage, I think was the phrase they used. Um, they also said that during my time at the park, I had taken drugs and that I'd had a relationship with a member of staff, which was against the rules, which is also just absolutely not true. Like I was in a relationship at the time and that was just really, really awful to be accused of these things. Um, and I was getting all of these letters back from the travel agents and I was just like, are you hearing this? Like, <laughs> are you reading these letters before you forward them on? Like, what kind of reputable company would throw out accusations like this about a 21-year-old girl that's like complaining about 
animal welfare issues and you're calling me like a drug taking like cheating maniac basically to try and like damage my reputation as well um and yeah it was just like this embarrassing for for them ongoing thing for like three years um and it came down to really petty things as well like um things like I told them god I don't even know if it's worth even it's not even interesting enough to say (laughs) so I was just saying like bullet points of things they had done wrong on the park and they accused me of lying and I was like they have CCTV like you can check it if you care enough like I'm not lying I've got no reason to lie about any of this um all I wanted from the company was my money back and for them to stop selling the trip um and I think it got to in the end they offered me £500 if I signed like a confidentiality agreement to never mention it again, to never talk about them again. And I was like, well, you know what you can do with that. (laughs) I was like, I'm not signing that. Piss off, basically. Um, And that's when the company was then sold to a new manager and they only, like they took down all of the animal trips. So, yeah. Sorry, I get really passionate when I talk no, about that. No, 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 it's good. No. Riles me up. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned actually that um, for other campaigners that, that sort of do this work, that they get like death threats and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, a, I guess, because it's such a huge industry, right? They must make a fortune off of these things. I mean, e- even the fact that you would pay 1500 quid to go there as a volunteer how many volunteers are on a on a on like sort of a, a trip with so when you were there um i mean if i was estimating when i was there i'd say there was like 20 right um and those are constantly like recycling every two weeks or three weeks or however long they're there um which is just too many like there's not enough work for that many people to be doing on these parks. Like it's just ridiculous. So, what <coughs> what kind of I'm wor- so sorry. sorry what kind of work were you <laughs> actually doing as a volunteer there? What would you actually do? Um, so your days are split between um, cub duties or ranger duties, they call it on this particular park anyway. So on the cub days, you're literally cuddling lion cubs letting them have photos with tourists um feeding them playing with them literally just sitting with them in the sun all day basically um and on the ranger duties it's more like cutting up chicken um going to like parks nearby to fetch vegetables for like the other animals um that kind of stuff really we talked about how if you're a volunteer looking for these experiences that you know what what to sort of look out for in terms of what the what the red flags are if you're a a tourist say you're in south africa looking for things to do what are the things to look out for as as, as a tourist is it is it basically the same as volunteering like if you're going to be interacting with lions probably mm-hmm. shouldn't be going there is that yeah, a hundred percent. That's that's it. If they're offering you any kind of interaction with an a big cat, you know, it's not just lions. Actually, in South Africa, it's like cheetahs, sometimes tigers for some reason. Ti- in um, Africa, 
Oh yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> there was tiger. There was tigers on the park that I was at as well, like fully grown adult tigers that they were breeding, um, and cheetahs as well. Um, so yeah, anywhere that's offering you these interactions, um, it's like it's obviously a quick fix for you. You like you you get to go and do it for twenty minutes or whatever. Um, but it's just worth considering that's like that lion's entire life is doing that, and you know it's obviously going to end up in canned hunting i guess as well like tigers what other reason would there be for tigers being in africa <laughs> other than we're gonna yeah. sell them at some point to someone yeah exactly it it just absolutely makes no sense whatsoever um yeah <laughs> i don't even no know re- what more to say about it no it's ridiculous for tigers to be in africa it's just <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah yeah literally and anyone with common sense should know that and should question that but sadly people don't what do you think of things like um i mean i guess i probably gonna know your answer because it's probably the same thing i think about it but um <laughs> these things i mean like tiger king right was like a fucking mm-hmm. huge show uh not just because of the animals in it but because of the mm-hmm. characters and all that kind oh, of stuff. It's just a car crash. It was a it? car crash of a, <laughs> of a thing. But um, what, you know, there's that whole sort of uh, industry in America, which we fortunately don't really have over here, I guess, because we don't have enough mm-hmm. big, massive spaces to keep these things. Um, uh, yeah, about that industry in America of of having sort of, Oh, actually, funnily enough, that was another Louis Theroux documentary, Exotic Pets, wasn't mm. it? But it it feels like it's the sort of same sort of same sort of thing, really, doesn't it? Um, in terms of tourists go and see these things, it's just they're much more mm-hmm. out. They're, it, it's just in America, you can see clearly that, like, well, <laughs> lions and tigers aren't really supposed to be. I mean, you'd think, yeah, you and I could (laughs) easily, but not everyone, again, not everyone sadly thinks like that. But America is like a whole other issue. Yeah. Um, The big cats that are kept as pets over there are just, it's out of control. I think I I saw a stat that was like, there's more pet tigers in the US than there are wild tigers left in the world. Yeah, and it's like, why (laughs) why is that allowed to happen who is letting this happen like that needs to be stopped altogether um but as we all saw in in um tiger king like there is an audience for it like they were packed out with tourists every single day because they can so easily brand themselves as a zoo or as conservation and people just believe that because like why would someone lie about that almost do you know what i mean like yeah, I don't know. Not everyone questions it enough, I don't think. Um, is that is there a similar... I mean, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this, but um, do we... Are there much sort of stricter rules in the UK about what is classed as conservation and what's not in terms of zoos and safari parks here? Because I've... I, I don't know. I, I, I have a sort of... And I don't know how justified it is, but I don't really like the idea of zoos um, mm-hmm. as places. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's like, uh, that's a difficult one to answer because I personally don't like zoos either. But there are instances where general, like actual good zoos are doing good work for conservation. Yeah. Um, 
with species that I, you know, I don't know anything about. I can't claim to be an expert on anything else. But in some cases, zoos can help conservation. I don't argue with that. But me personally, I don't think that any animal should be, should be kept confined. in captivity. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's kind of another moral question. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of like it's it's you can go to a zoo and see like a lion like pacing up and down the enclosure and you can tell that it's bored and that it's stressed and that it's not meant to be there um but it's like again with that captive lion the same with all of the captive lions in South Africa that's the only place it can be it can't be released into the wild so if it can be kept there for the entire entirety of its life and if it can help research only with zoos not with the captive ones in south africa then i don't think that's the worst one in the world because the only other option is to sadly put that animal down so because i just i went to the last zoo i went to was new york zoo this was years ago um probably like 10 years ago but i just remember coming out of that feeling really sad because a lot of the animals and, and New York Zoo might do great work for conservation. I don't know. But um, but it just, you know, there were so many animals that just looked like they didn't want to be there. Um, yeah. Uh, a particularly sad polar bear spring to my, springs to mind who just oh, was God. just, you know. Sort of, Why is there a polar bear in New York? <laughs> uh, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's... I find them just awful places to be. I don't remember the last time I went to a zoo. Um, I think I think even the last time I was near one was I went to Berlin, and I don't know if you've been, but they have like a shopping mall that surrounds the zoo. Oh, so weird. you're 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 like literally shopping, and there's a window with like a monkey on the other side, and it's like, come on, guys, <laughs> like this isn't okay. What are we doing here? Like. It's yeah. There's I think there's still so much that needs to be done um, about zoos in general and charities. Like that's not what I focus on, but charities like Born Free, you know, that's their main focus. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm totally on the same page as you with that. So you work in. You mentioned earlier that 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 doing claws out and stuff has led to you working full time in. Uh, would you say conservation? I guess, or animal animal um, welfare, or how would you put yeah, it? Yeah, animal welfare. So I, before COVID, um, good times, I was working full-time on Claws Out. I was really lucky to be able to do that. Um, for a UK-based charity, they were paying me to run the campaign. Um, and that was with, <clears throat> sorry, that was with funding from Born Free Foundation and Olsen Animal Trust that was supporting it. And then COVID came and I was furloughed and then sadly lost my job because we just lost all fundraising, uh, basically, that we were supposed to do throughout the year. Um, but I was really lucky that I now work in animal welfare for another charity, but on dog and cat welfare. So more like companion animal welfare, but internationally. So like the illegal puppy trade and the dog and cat meat trade are the two campaigns that I work on. And I run calls out like in my own time, basically. Sure. Can we uh, uh, can we talk about that a little bit? That sounds. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, so, uh, I don't really know what to ask, but. Um, <laughs> um, 
I mean, I could just talk. Yeah, like, yeah. Let, yeah. Just Sorry. know what I do. Yeah, great interviewing technique there. I'm just not asking you a question. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, so it's for a charity called Four Paws International, um, who are an amazing charity. Um, there's offices like all over the world, and they actually have a sanctuary in South Africa an amazing sanctuary called Lions Rock for uh, Lions, obviously, it's in the name. Um, and that's how I knew Four Paws uh, was because they were so supportive of my campaign. And then I found out they had this job available when I lost my job and I applied and very luckily got it. Um, and so, yeah, my time is split between a campaign against the illegal puppy trade in Europe and the dog and cat meat trade uh, in Southeast Asia, which specifically Cambodia, Vietnam and Indonesia. Um, and I'm part of these just amazing, amazing teams that on the ground in those countries, um, even literally yesterday, we shut down a slaughterhouse in Cambodia and rescued uh, some dogs and cats. And then we work with partners to get those rehomed. Um, a lot of it is campaigning the local governments as well to end the dog and cat meat trade in those countries. And we also campaign, uh, campaign European governments to help try and end those as well and protect tourists. Because obviously since COVID as well, there's a huge focus on health risks when it comes to animals. Because um, that's, you know, supposedly, I don't know the facts, <laughs> but how COVID came about. Um, so that's what we're focusing on at the moment because a lot of these dogs are in these slaughterhouses have major health issues like uh, rabies or parvovirus and then humans are also consuming that so it's like there's a there's a human health risk that we're focusing on at the moment um and obviously it's just insanely cruel like the methods they use to kill these animals are just beyond awful um and yeah with the illegal puppy trade stuff uh there's since covid as well and since the pandemic everyone wants a dog so the average price of a dog has gone from like 500 pounds to upwards of 2000 pounds in the uk um which means as the demand is like out of control and people i mean it's not a new issue since covid but people have been smuggling dogs into the country in for just years and years um so we work on that campaign trying to uh like regulate the online trade i guess so to try and stop illegal breeders being able to sell online in the uk and across the whole of europe as well so a lot of lobbying work for the government it's a lot <laughs> the 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 dog and cat meat trade um this may be a really stupid question but because it's obviously legal in those countries to be slaughtering dogs and cats for meat and selling the meat mm -hmm. how how are like on what basis i guess do you get these places shut down because presumably they would argue like well it's legal to do it and there's not me criticizing obviously it's great that they're shut down oh, yeah. <laughs> but like how do you how do you go about getting them shut down is it do they are they like is it like anything over here? Like they have to hit certain criteria of, of health and of safety and all that kind of stuff and um, you get them shut down on those no. bases or? Sadly not. So what, what we do is we offer livelihood conversions. So we approach slaughterhouses and uh, people that run them and we say mo more often than not, they don't want to be doing it, but it's their only source of income. Um, 
And even worse than that is that a lot of the animals, they get a stolen pets. So there's literally trucks roaming around, picking up dogs off the street and taking them to these slaughterhouses. Um, so that's illegal, <laughs> obviously. Um, so there's that. But then, what? yeah, so what we do is we will close down the slaughterhouse um, and take all of the animals off of them with their agreement as well. And then we will offer them a livelihood conversion. So we will help them do something that they want to do. So for instance, the one that we did yesterday, um, we're helping him build like a general, like a uh, general store type thing. And also like a motorbike repair garage, I think, or something like that. Cause that's what he wants to be doing, but he didn't have the money to be able to do that. So we're as a charity helping him do that and rescuing the dogs as well. Ah, oh, okay. That's quite nice. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's quite cool. <laughs> uh, maybe a good thing to end on would be, um, well, anything you think I haven't covered enough, anything you think needs saying that I haven't said, but also what people can do, I guess, to to help or, um, yeah, organizations they can follow or, you know, et cetera. Yeah, um, just, mm, I guess one thing worth mentioning as well that people don't realize is happening with regards to the lions in South Africa is the lion bone trade. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people are aware of the tiger bone trade and that uh, across Asia, you know, you can buy tiger bone illegally that are made into so-called medicines that can help. Well, I, they can't help, but <laughs> are sold sure. as helping yeah. <laughs> various like illnesses. Um, and people don't realise now that tiger numbers are so depleted that they're using lion bones instead to make those medicines. Um, so the lions in South Africa, not only are they sold in canned hunting, but the South African government is permitting the sale of lion bones across to the markets in Asia, which is putting wild lions at risk of poaching because obviously there's a market now for those bones to be sold. Um, and there's like links to crime syndicates across Southeast Asia as well that are selling these lion bones. Um so I guess that's the other part of my campaign is making those tourists aware that not only are they cuddling lion cubs that are probably going to be killed in a canned hunt, but also their their bones are now being sold <laughs> overseas as like these phony Asian medicines that just like there's there's reports of like lions that have arthritis that they've been bred so badly that the lions have arthritis and their bones are being sold in medicines to cure human arthritis <laughs> yeah you can't make this up honestly it's ridiculous but that's the only other thing that i thought was worth touching on <laughs> with the with the lion stuff um i i guess it it it's uh i mean it's 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 great to talk about all these things and it's and it's um good to sort of educate oneself about these things but then you also unless it, you're someone like you who is doing like good mm -hmm. good work around this stuff like you know you could be listening to this and feeling sort of like well that's awful but i don't really know what i can do about it yeah and i'm yeah. not planning mm -hmm. on going on a trip to south africa to be able to avoid these places anyway so is there Things that people can do to either to to help or to like raise awareness or to give to charity. Like, what can people do yeah. to feel less sort of useless around these things? I mm -hmm. guess. Um, I mean, in my opinion, like education is 
is key. So even if you're not going to go and volunteer in South Africa, you can still share the message that doing it is wrong and you might be able to stop another person going to do it instead. Um, So there's loads of resources online, I think, that can be shared, um, not just as like a plug for my stuff, which you can share if you like, but there's other films. Um, There's a film called Blood Lions, um, which is a 90-minute documentary, um, which is just amazing and I recommend it to everyone to watch it if if you've got the time. Um, and then there's my film, which is 15 minutes. So <laughs> if you want a bit of a shorter one, you can watch that. Um, so charities that you can support, I'd say uh, Born Free Foundation do amazing work. Full Paws in South Africa um, are actually like on the ground doing amazing work. So are, so are Born Free. Um, so if, if it's a monetary thing and if you want to make donations, you can donate to the charities on the ground in South Africa that are doing the hands-on difference whereas I would say like donating to me isn't worth your time (laughs) you can donate to my charity if you like but like I would prefer that your money goes to somewhere on the ground that is gonna help an individual lion um and there's loads of things you can do you can write to the UK governments and say that you want the ban you want imports of trophies to be banned into the UK which they're currently not Oh what? So you um, can so you can go and I think so. That had never occurred to me that you could then take it home with you, but I guess that's the reason people do it. So Yeah, um, I'm pre- I'm like I'm ninety nine percent sure that the UK haven't banned it. Some countries have, which is amazing. Um but the UK government I think I might be wrong on this and it's bad if I am, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they haven't banned it yet. Because um, there's that actually there's so there that, is... that, that bit in the Louis Theroux documentary and I'm documentary i mentioned is that uh louis through sort of points at the i think they're oh i'm gonna get the name of the animal wrong because they they all look very similar like <laughs> you know there's some kind of like ibex or deer or or oh yeah that, i know, wouldn't they be all look very <laughs> yeah. similar right um, but they're looking at them and louis through goes you know it's quite a it's quite a sad existence really isn't it for these animals and the guy mm-hmm. goes no because um they're going to become someone's they're going to become a head on a wall they're going to get a, <laughs> they're going to get a space on the wall and you don't even get a space on the wall and these animals are going to get as, as if that was like a thing for the animal to be proud of you know what i mean i mean it's just like psychotic isn't it like why like if a murder if a someone murdered a human <laughs> and then mounted that human's head on the wall of their office you'd be like okay you have something wrong with you so why is it any different when it comes to wild animals that's what i think i just think it's mind blowing that people think that that's a good thing like if i went into someone's house and they had a lion's head mounted on the wall like i would immediately leave <laughs> like that's not someone that i want to be around no. And it's the kind of it's the kind of person as well that you may be like, oh, maybe they because like if you think about any horror film, like <laughs> the murderers do have lions' heads and that on the wall. Yeah, yeah.
there you have it, Beth Jennings. My thanks to Beth for joining me on the show and my thanks to you, the listener, for joining me this week. If you like the show, then please do subscribe, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with whoever uh, you can convince to listen to a podcast every week. And um, if you would like to support the show further, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash the last line and um, support us in that way. Um, There will be links in the description to Beth's uh, short film that she made about the Claws Out uh, campaign uh, that we mentioned earlier and to some of the organizations that she uh, talked about as well if you want to check them out further and support them in uh, any way you can. Um, So, until next time, thank you very much for listening and joining me this week. And until next time, I've been James Alban, and this is The Last Line.